Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. So we're going to be following this, this thread of our hearts, the Father's heart, and God's fatherhood, how he fathers us. So like our hearts, our stories, where we're coming from, the Father's heart, and what that means about us, and then his fatherhood. Because what I've found sometimes in my life, like I like the idea of the Father heart, but I want him to keep his fatherhood away from me. You know what I'm saying? This is the parenting side. I'm like, Ugh. But that's flowing from his heart, how he wants to lead us and guide us. So that's where we're, we're journeying together as a community. I want to put that out there to us and say, let's do this together. Sometimes you hear someone stand up and say, we're going through the book of Romans right now. You hear a, a, a preacher, we're going through the book of Romans. And, and it's kind of like, no, you're going through the book of Romans. We're just kind of sitting here, you know, um, that's not what we're doing, okay? We want to walk through this together. We want to um, engage with the Father's heart and um, bring our story and contemplate his fatherhood, how he wants to father us, how he wants to guide us. That's where we're going together, amen? Um, in this message, we're going to talk about our story and moving toward a better story. Our story, where we're coming from, and moving toward a better story. We're all kind of living out scripts in our lives, and some of you maybe can relate with living. That script is on repeat. Anybody? The year changes. The story's the same. It's the same tendencies, the same patterns. Man, I can't break out. I can't break free. Um, so we're going to talk a bit about our stories, where we're coming from, and calling us to a better story this morning, just to lead this off. Um. So let me say a prayer just to, to center my heart. And I want to I take a second and encourage you to let expectations stir in your heart for this morning and also the next few months. So we might think of it, uh, if you think of your year like in a quarterly sense, for this quarter, um, let's break this down and let's say, Lord, we expect something from you in this season. We expect together. So let's just take a moment, I'm going to pause and just leave a moment of silence, and then I'm going to pray, and I just want to challenge you, let expectations stir in your heart what the Father has for us this morning. Father, we thank you for who you are and what that means about who we are. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness, that you never let us go. As we'll read in a bit, you will not, as Jesus said, you will not let anyone snatch us from your arms. The Father's holding us tight, and we look to you this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the text I want to start from this morning is from uh, the Gospel of John. John's a really good friend of Jesus. He refers to himself in places as the disciple Jesus loved, <laughs> um, which I think was just an honest assessment of things. They had a very close relationship. And so John wrote this, uh, wrote this narrative of, of the work and life of Jesus. Um, we call it the Gospel of John. So John, Gospel of John chapter 14, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read to verse 11, okay? So I'm going to do that now. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, 
What I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. But Thomas, I love Thomas. Thomas is that guy who always asks the hard questions, and everybody's like, dude, for real? He's like, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Let me just be rational about this. Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do not know him. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Okay. So, just... We'll read one more chunk from John chapter 16, but just to kind of set the stage here, Jesus start, has just started, they've just had the, the Passover dinner, or the Last Supper, so Jesus has just started to talk about how he's going to go away, somebody's going to betray him, and the disciples are like, what's going on? We thought you were the king who's going to deliver us from our enemies, and he's like, I am, but not like that. Um, so... It's, it's a pretty confusing time, and Jesus is just starting to talk really bluntly and plainly. Okay, he's starting, to, um, he's starting to open things up. So John chapter 16, verses 25 through 29. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. And they're like, we realize that. <laughs> the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. Okay, so there's been a, this is kind of a, a shift in the story. For, and he's saying, basically, you're ready. You're ready for me to speak plainly with you. Verse 26, in that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. Let me sh- give it to you straight. I'm not going to ask for you. You're going to ask in my name, and you're going to do the asking. Why? Help me out. Why? Because the Father himself loves you. And you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, ah, verse 29, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Okay, so pretty big shift in the story. Um, the disciples are relieved. So what? So there's a shift in the story, but what's the shift? What are the disciples hearing plainly for the first time? Just, just real quick, shoot it out. What, what do you hear? What, what do you think is new? Access to the Father. Did I hear personal? Anybody else? They'll be asking, yeah, yeah. So there's this shift where he's like, you're going to, through me, you're going to go and ask. Ask who? Ask the Father. And um, 
he says, he says within here too, like, you weren't ready to hear these things before now, but now you're ready. You're ready to hear. So what I've been showing you all along is actually, I want to introduce you to someone. Okay, there's someone I'd like for you to meet. All along, it was the father. Why do you think, just a quick thought experiment, this is just an aside, why do you think they weren't ready? Why didn't Jesus tell them all this earlier? Like, what, what do you think was the, the holdup? Anybody? They, they needed some evidence. They were able to see through him what the father was like. Do you think they were ready? If, he, if Jesus had, what's that? Might have scared them off, right? If Jesus showed up on day one and was like, okay, you guys, we're going to go into the presence of God, and it's going to be awesome. They would have been like, peace? Nope. No, thank you. You go for us. That's the priest's job. And he's like, actually, what I'm doing is pulling together a kingdom of priests, a family of priests. And the access to the Father is now for everyone, not just for a select few. You with me? He's saying, okay, now you're ready. And they're like, oh. So just real quick, starting it. And I think that this is really what John is trying to say all along. Okay, so you have this, this gospel. We've got this account written by Jesus' close friend, John. And uh, so what does John want us to know? We get this feel that like throughout the different gospels, there's different things that they want to emphasize. There's different things they want us to know. John, in the very beginning, in John chapter 1, verse 12, if I've got that right, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed, in, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not just the option, not just maybe, not just from time to time visitation rights, okay? The right to become sons and daughters. And this is what, this is just like the beginning of John's narrative. He's like, you guys here, I'm going to break this down for you. He told us that we could be sons and daughters and that nobody could take that away from us because it's our right, because of what Jesus has done and because of what he's shown us, okay? So this is where it all starts, and I would go as far as to say this. This is why Jesus came, was to show us the Father, period. Why did Jesus come? To bring us into the family of God, period, does that involve being a part of heaven someday? Absolutely. But you know what? It kind of starts today too, doesn't it? Because Jesus says, this is eternal life, knowing me, knowing the one who sent me. Like, this is it. This is it. So I think that this is what John is saying all along, and I think it's what Jesus is saying all along. Like, it's, it's not all this other noise on the side. It's that you get to be a son or daughter, period. You've received a spirit. A spirit of what? adoption that cries out within your heart abba father when you can't cry out yourself any of you been there you can't even cry out on your own but paul says that the spirit cries out within you abba father it's like this magnetic force within you pulling you pull, drawing you to the heart of the father when all the world is working against us so this is where we're going i want to just touch briefly on our story and point to a better story. Um, but real quick, nothing that I'm going to say this morning is going to be new probably for most of you, okay? Um, I have found even recently in my life that the best words spoken to me have been things that I've already known, 
that I needed to hear <laughs> again, that I needed to be reminded of. Anybody relate with that lately? Words spoken faithfully, things that you've already known, reminding you of the truth, reminding you the very foundations of why you're doing what you're doing, the foundations of who you are being reminded in a right moment and called back, and it cuts to your heart, and you're like, oh, my word, that's what I needed right now. I think we complicate things with, like, needing new kind of intellectualized things, things that, like, tickle our, our intellect, our ears, when sometimes what we need is really the foundations that come back. So that's what we're doing. We're calling us back calling us back home, calling us to the Father. So the stories that we're coming from, our stories, there's a couple of hindrances I want to point out in our stories. I'm not going to go deep into these. Uh, one, I'm going to just touch on briefly, our hurt and our hurry. Okay, a couple of hindrances, our hurt and our hurry. Our hurt. Man, we come, we, we carry bags with us from our lives. Things that we've done, things that other people have done to us, and wherever we go, we're carrying that stuff with us, whether you like it or not. I, I have five kids, and a lot of times I end up carrying stuff. I don't even know what I'm carrying. You with me? And I get, I get a mile down the road, and I'm like, where did this stuff come from? And why do we even need this? And whose is it anyway? I don't know. But I'm carrying it. And it's a burden to carry things, right? If you want to play a joke on somebody when you're backpacking or camping or hiking, put some rocks in their pack and watch them go. Just watch them go. And um, they won't notice it. But how does it feel when that, when that load gets un, unpacked? You're carrying 10 pounds you didn't realize that you had, and that's gone. How's that feel? It's a relief, right? You guys... The, our experiences we bring into our relationships, we bring into our present. Whether we know it, whether we like it, whether we admit it, it doesn't matter. We bring it. So when we're talking about a father who loves me, you know what that does for me? It's a challenge. Because my dad wasn't around very much when I was a kid. My image of him as a kid was not a great one. If anything at all. And so when we're talking about a father, you know, for, for some of us, when we say the word father, it's just a blank. I draw a blank. I don't even know what that means because it's only something you know through experience, right? The concept of a father is not helpful. The experience of a father is, okay? We could read the dictionary definition of a father. It doesn't really matter. It's the experience of being fathered that helps us know what a father is. And um, so we bring our blank space, we bring our hurts, we bring our trauma into all this and unknowingly project that onto this heavenly perfect father. And that's difficult. So I want to pause there on that. Just, and just to, what I want to do actually is acknowledge that and, and honor the pain and, and things that we bring, okay? And just say, it's real. It's real. We're going to dive a little bit more into that. Um, in the coming weeks on Sunday mornings. Um, and if that stirs something in you and you like want some resources to get help, you want prayer, catch me, catch Shannon, catch some others um, as, as much as we can. We want to like, we want to help one another move forward in our pain, okay? And we don't want to be defined by it. 
Okay, so that's what I want to be careful here when I'm talking about our hindrances. I'm not saying that this is our identity. I'm saying this is what we've experienced, and it's real, and it hurts. Okay? Um, what I do want to focus on a little bit more is our hurry. So our hurt and our hurry. Um, and the irony is sometimes we use our hurry to mask our hurt. <laughs> right? That's a painful laugh. Um, we use our hurry to get around our hurt, to avoid it. Um, here's, the, here's the thing. Love takes time. Love takes time. Period. Any parents of toddlers here? Does love take time? It does. Whether it's 3 a.m. or 3 p.m. or 8 p.m., it takes time to express. It takes time to receive. Okay? One of the greatest hindrances to us in receiving and experiencing love is our rushed lives. Um, I want to read a couple of definitions to you. Um, <laughs> of a, a disease that I just learned about. Shannon and I were talking about this a few days ago, a disease that, that I just learned about called hurry sickness. I'm not making this up, okay? Um, here's some, here's a, a couple of descriptions. Hurry sickness is a behavior pattern characterized by continuing, continual rushing and anxiousness. Hurry sickness can be defined as a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time, and so tends to perform every task faster and gets flustered when encountering any kind of delay. Anybody? Okay. A few symptoms. Moving checkout lines before another uh, because another looks shorter or faster. A sign of sickness? Counting cars and moving to the lane with the least cars that's moving faster. Does that just sound like life to some people? Um, the irony, I always find that anytime I do that, I find that I pull up to the next stoplight next to the same people. Um, a third one, multitasking to the point of forgetting one of the tasks. Okay, here's the thing. This is not normal. It's, it's, our, it's our experience, but it's not meant to be normal. But we've normalized it through our, through our behavior. And you guys, like, let's, let's live radically different. Can we make that commitment together? Live radically different than the society that we're swimming in? Um, okay, some more symptoms, and I'm borrowing some of these from John Mark Comer, right? The book called um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. That, along with the Gospel of John, are two uh, resources I want to point you to this morning and challenge you to toward the end to engage with, okay? Uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. If I'm getting that name wrong, tell me. Um, here's some symptoms that he lays out. Irritability. Not to think about this like, I know this is true for me. Don't think about whether you're irritable with uh, your coworkers, but the people at home who are closest to you. Okay? Um, hypersensitivity. Are you over-emotional? And your emotional well-being is ruined by a small experience that you have with another person, an encounter you have with another person. Third, restlessness. You can't focus. Workaholism. 
don't just think about that in terms of career, but nonstop activity. I need something else to do. I need another way to serve. I need another task to move on to. Uh, emotional numbness. We don't have empathy for others or for ourselves. Um, Out-of-order priorities, the urgent rules, and I can never quite get my head around what's most important. The most important stuff never gets to the top of my list. It's always further back. Lack of care for our body. Neglecting sleep, movement, good food, grooming, hygiene, clipping your toenails. That's a real question, okay? That's a real question. Do you have time to clip your nails? We're going to, there will be a Thursday night support group for this. Uh, no, but that, that's a real question, though. Like, if you, find, if you find yourself not having time to clip your finger, I can't believe I'm talking about this on a Sunday morning, taking up this, your precious time with this, there's a problem. There's a problem. If you cannot find the time and cannot make the time, and here's what I'm pointing back to, to care well for your body, we have a problem. Okay? Escapist behavior, binging, what's alcohol, whether it's just annoying the circumstances around you and finding something to escape into, novels, whatever, escaping from reality, leaving the things that cause anxiety or tension or whatever, and escaping from them. Another is a lack of spiritual disciplines. When the first thing to go, the first thing that we ditch is needs to be our, rather than being like our go-to, it's the first thing to go. You with me? The, the very thing that would give you life or that would give me life is the first thing that gets squeezed out because I don't have time. Our isolation. Disconnectedness from God, others, even ourselves. Our family, this, this past week, we were meditating on Proverbs 18.1. The one who isolates themselves will, help me out, the one who isolates themselves will go their own way. They turn away from reason. They turn away from sound judgment. The one who isolates, huh? <laughs> She's correcting me. They break out against all sound judgment. The one, who does that? The one who isolates themselves. We're not made to do this alone, and we're not made to do this in a hurry. So if you're anything like me, you can relate with some of these things. I'm a recovering hurry addict. I've worked in ministry for 19 years, and uh, we've, we've just gone through some major transition where we've resigned from our ministry roles. And um, I don't know if any of you can relate with this, but there's a lot of not even realizing and I'm carrying these bags where my identity is rooted in position and function rather than who I am to the Father. And that's a problem. So that's, that's where I'm coming from right now, and that's where I'm preaching from, not saying, hey, guys, I've got this down. Go and do this. I'm saying, hey, guys, here's where I'm walking. Let's go together. I'm discovering a better way. And let's walk together. Um, in the midst of that, for, for myself, I, um, I, reached, I, I reached a breaking point. I was driving to Home Depot on the east side. 
which is not why I reached a breaking point. But man, those hot dogs smell good. You may get those Home Depot hot dogs. They're like three bucks. You know what I'm talking about? They're like three bucks. Right? And it just gets you, man. It just gets you. Um, so I'm driving down East Wash, and um, and tears start to fill my eyes, and anger starts to just well up in my heart, and it's like the well, the the dam just broke. It's just in the, just just recently, just walking through the process that we're going through, and uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, something needs to change. Um, I'm filling my life. What was this? Um, restless workaholism. I'm like, I got to pause. So I took some time that weekend. And um, one of the things that I did was I just, I opened up the gospel of John and I'm like white knuckling my Bible. I'm like, I got to get this. What does the gospel say? What does it say about who the father is? What does it say about me? I want to know what Jesus says about the father. Okay. And I've taught about the Father's heart on, like, I don't know a few nations. Like, I'm, I know this gig. I know what to say. But I'm at the point where, like, I need it straight from Jesus' mouth. Because some words on a page or from another person's book or whatever that I've spoken or experienced in the past is not enough right now. I need something fresh. And so I break open the, the word, and my page after page in the Gospel of John right now is underlined for me. Because I'm underlining everything over, over the course of these several hours that I'm reading. Every time Jesus references the Father, in page after page after page, I find that he's continually talking about the Father. And I'm like, whoa! Jesus came to show us the Father. He came to show me the Father. That I have a Father who loves me regardless of my occupation and service regardless of my contribution to society or the kingdom or whatever, I have a father that loves me. So I jotted some of these down. And you guys, I'm not like, I'm not up on a pedestal. I'm like, I'm in the grind, okay, trying to work through life. So in my journal, I've got two full pages. What is Jesus saying about the father? And you guys, these statements blew me away. These statements blew me away. We might dive more into these here in a few weeks together. But I'm, I'm just walking through this. We, what, is, what does Jesus say? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some of this and make it first person. I'm going to turn some of it on you, okay? I have the right to become a child of God. I'm born of God. I've received grace upon grace. My sin is taken away by the Lamb of God. 129. 133, I have been baptized with the Holy Spirit by Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 3. I am born again of water and spirit. 3.16 I am so loved by God that He gave His only Son that I may have eternal life. 3.17 I am not condemned but saved. Let me turn this on, on you. You've been given the Spirit without measure. You have a spring of water welling up to eternal life within you. 414, 421 through 23. You're invited to worship the Father in spirit and in truth, not based on geography or ethnicity or class. As he says to the Samaritan woman at the well under the noonday sun. You are called and privileged to follow Jesus doing only what you see the Father doing. 
references in chapter 5, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 12, 14, and again, two more times in 14. You're invited to do nothing on your own, just like Jesus. You're invited to work for the food that does not perish, that Jesus gives, to believe in Jesus and the Father. You've been been drawn to Jesus by the Father. You have the light of life and will not walk in darkness. You are invited to abide in Jesus' words and know the truth and be free. You are free indeed. You hear the words of God. You know Jesus' voice. He calls you by name and he leads you. Chapter 10, verse 27. Chapter 10, verse 27 again. Jesus knows you. Chapter 10, verse 28, you follow Jesus. Do you hear that promise a minute ago? You hear his voice. He says, my sheep, know, my sheep know my voice. And they listen. Chapter 10, verse 29, no one can snatch you from the Father's hand, says Jesus. No one can snatch you from the Father's hand. Chapter 14, you can ask the Father in Jesus' name for anything. Again in 15.7 and again in 15.16, you are not alone like an orphan. Jesus is with you. The Father loves you and makes a home with you. 14.23, are you with me? You hearing a theme here? Just soak this in. You are loved by Jesus. You're invited to abide in Jesus' love and the Father's love. You have access to Jesus' joy, that your joy may be full. That your joy might be what? What kind of joy does Jesus want you to have? Full? That your joy may be full? You are chosen by Jesus. You are Jesus' friend. You're appointed by Jesus to bear fruit. The Father himself loves you. Chapter 16, verse 27. You can have courage because Jesus has overcome the world. Man, and I'm skipping. I'm skipping like verse after verse. These are just some things that I'm desperately clinging to. And I didn't just write them into my journal. I highlighted them. The best thing I could find was a purple colored pencil. And I was like, that, this was for me right now. Lord, come on. Jesus is calling us to something better, you guys, than the script that we have on repeat in our lives. And if we're not living as sons and daughters, we're living as something else. We're living as orphans, right? If we're not living as sons and daughters, we're living as orphans in the Father's kingdom, staying outside the door, saying, I don't belong. And I read all these passages, all these statements from Jesus, and what the, a couple of things happen within me. One is that it roots out self-hatred. Jesus' words get under the root of self-hatred and tear them out. And brings healing to us. Jesus is the enemy of self-hatred. Because he looks at you and he says, I know you and I love you. And you are more precious than anything else that I have made. And think about all the destructive behaviors in our lives. When we neglect sleep for one more drink or ten more episodes 
and we give ourselves to that relationship that we know is toxic, and it's all rooted in I am not very valuable. In hatred of ourselves, diminishing our value, and continuing in those patterns. So one is that it roots out self-hatred and it roots out the orphan heart from within us. I know Judah, my daughter, here we experienced something like this recently. I was just thinking about this this morning. Um, we were on a, a teaching ministry trip to India this summer and had a, a layover in Istanbul, which I'm like, yes, layover in Istanbul. Stayed with a friend of a friend and just had a great 22 hours of utter exhaustion and beauty. And oh my gosh, we're like, we're going to soak up all we can off this terrible itinerary. And um, so we're in Istanbul. And um, I, I sat up that morning on my bed and, um, and I just prayed, Lord, I want to be available to you today. I want to be available to you today. I'm jet lagged. I don't even know what day it is. I want to be available to you today. And so we get up, we pack up, and we're going to go have breakfast and tour around for a couple of hours and then uh, head back to the airport. We don't even get, what, how far would you do? Just like two minutes from, from our place. And I hear this man yelling at a woman, and I'm like, oh, not again, Lord. Why? I don't want to get into domestic disputes today. And this man's yelling at this woman, and she's yelling back at him. And I'm like, put my head down, and I'm like, I'm not going to get in the middle of it. I'm not going to get in the middle of it. And then, so we walk down these stairs. There's apparently stairs everywhere in Istanbul. And uh, we're walking down these stairs, and, um, and they switch to English. And, and he's like, hey do you know English? And I'm down the stairs further and I stop. I'm like, yes. I didn't hear anything, man. I'm okay. And uh, he's like, no, no, I, I need your help, man. I need your help. She's totally drunk. She's totally drunk. Her boyfriend broke up with her this morning. She's upset and she's trying to, she's trying to like go into the city, but I'm trying to get her back home. Can you help me? I don't know if I can help you because I don't have a great track record in this area, but I can try. Okay, so Judah and I turn around, and we're going back, and this lady's just, like, distraught. She's got that, like, all-night drunk aroma. You know, that is different than, like, somebody who's just buzzed. Like, this lady's been drunk for a long time, and she's just, like, distraught, and her boyfriend, all this drama, and uh, she's, like, she's trying to go down to the, to the seafront, Okay, and her friend is like, no, it's not good there right now. Do not go there. It's not going to be safe for you. And she just won't listen, won't listen. She's trying to like walk down the stairs. And so we go up and we're 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 talking with this lady, and um, and we're like trying to convince her. It's just not working. And um, and so I'm like, okay, Judah, why don't you sit down next to her and um, like just try to. I put an arm around her or something like, and, and we're like trying to convince her. I think we try to like pull her by the hand at one point, like nothing's working. Okay. Nothing's working. And finally, I feel like the father speaks to me that about how precious this woman is to him. And so I like, I lean down and I'm like, Hey, you are too precious to go down to the seafront. You are too precious. 
you need to go back home and take care of yourself. And something snaps within, like her eyes came into focus, and she goes, I, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not even lying. Something snaps within her, and she goes, I need to go home. And she stands up, and we walk with her to the, just the, the few blocks back to her apartment as she walks in. And the guy's just like, oh, you guys are a gift from God. You guys are a gift from God. I'm going to get you a taxi. I'm going to go with you. I'm like, no, nah, man, no, 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 it's cool. It's like, no, 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 I have to. I have to. I have to. So then he journeys with us. He's like, you guys are a gift from God. You guys are an answer to prayer. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, and then we went and had coffee. And you know what I learned from that was that, and I think this is true, it was identity that called her home. Not a push, not a challenge. It was, hey, this is who you are and this is how much you matter. And I'm speaking that to her prophetically from the heart of the Father into her spirit. Are you with me? <laughs> I'm not just like speaking plain words. I'm speaking the words of God to her, not derived from me by my own authority, but I'm speaking to her in Jesus' name how precious she is. And I just want to ask, like, what if we spoke to one another that way? In Jesus' name, bro, lay your phone down. You're too precious. You're too precious for that. The Father wants to pour his love into you. Love takes time. And hurry doesn't have any. Love takes time and orphans can't receive it. Because we got to earn it. Right? We got to fight. We got to grind to receive to receive attention, to receive affirmation, to receive encouragement, to receive love. I've got to grind. You guys, that's my story. That's where I'm coming from. I've got to grind and work and hustle. And God is calling us to lay down our hustle. So much of that happens as we give time to receive from the Father, but also time to receive and give to one another. So I want to call us to this, okay? Point out to us that we, we become like what we give our attention to. Where's your attention going? Or as it's been said, we become like what we worship. We become like what we love. And if you want to know what you love and what your attention is going to, just like check your screen time on your phone. Or better yet, ask your kids. What do I pay attention to? No, our four-year-old was just telling me the other day. She started this thing, hey, look, look. And then she'll say, look with your eyes. And I'm like. <laughs> look with your eyes. As I heard another father say not long ago, his daughter came to him and was like, daddy, daddy, uh, I want to tell you a story. He says, okay, well, um, Tell me quickly because i got to get back to work. And she says, that's okay. I'll come back later when you can listen slowly. Man, could it be that fathering these little children and mothering these little children actually prepares our hearts to receive the love of the Father? And could it be, by the way it is, that our inability to connect with them it goes hand in hand with our inability to connect with the Father. I find that my relationship and intimacy with my wife 
has a direct correlation with my relationship and intimacy with the Father. The quality follows the same trajectory. And both take time. So I don't want to stand up here and say, hey guys, uh, you need to do these four things. I do want to give some challenge, but it's for something better, okay? It's to call us to a better story. Um, I want to I want to focus on this area of hurry, and in the in this coming quarter, of these next few months, I want to challenge us to lay down our hustle and lay down our hurry, and to take steps to opening up our hurt. Okay, um, create space to create space in our lives. Um, I mean, you guys can go ahead and come up, Leslie, maybe. Get ready to lead us into worship. Um, create space in our lives. So I want to just give a, a few practical things that, that I'm putting into practice in my life. Um, screen-free evenings. I'm just going to get like super brass tacks. Screen-free evenings. I want to challenge you to this. If you're anything like my household, like five to eight is like go time with family. Okay? That's when we've got time together. I want to challenge you to put your screen to sleep during that time. So you can fully engage. Kids are in bed. Get back after. And just let people know, like, hey, if you need to get a hold of me, come knock on my door. I'm here. I won't be reachable through this um, attention-sucking device. Um, one other quick practical thing, and I just, again, I'm just focusing on devices just because I want to give us something like super practical to chew on. And I'm borrowing this from a guy named Andy Crouch. He has a great book called, um, TechWise Family. If you're interested more in kind of some real practical areas as well as vision in this area, check, uh, check out this book. Um, but he lays out this, this principle that I've been putting into practice to let your phone go to sleep before you do and let it wake up after you do. Okay? Our phones go to sleep before we do and wake up after we do. Okay? In other words, I want my first thought of the day to be who I am to the Father, not what other people need from me. I want my first thought of the day to be who I am to the Father, not the thing that's going on in the world that I can't control anyway. Not the outrageous thing that my uncle is posting on social media. Okay? That I can get riled up about. Okay? Who am I to the Father? Let it be our last thought and first thought. Let it be the first thing that we draw one another to. Guys, I want to encourage you to go engage with, um, with the Gospel of John in, in the coming weeks. Engage with it this week. And just look. I know it can feel like a black hole sometimes engaging with Scripture, especially when we're coming from this place of restlessness. We're like, uh, I need it right now. Um, just look for the heart of the Father as you read it. What is Jesus saying about the Father? So this is where we're going, growing and listening to the Father together, where we're coming from, our hearts, the Father's heart, and how he wants to guide us into the future. Okay. Okay. All right, um, I'm going to pray, and uh, we have this time of uh, singing some songs of worship together and of taking communion. Um, I love, something I love about taking communion is that there's nothing I can do except receive. 
There's nothing I can do except swallow, okay? And I think about that every time I come up and I take these very crunchy crackers. Uh, and I'm like, Jesus, your body was broken for me and there's nothing I can do about it. And I'm drinking this and Jesus, your blood was spilled and there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do for it except receive. And why did he spill his blood? Why was his body broken? But to lead you to the Father. Okay, so as you come up this morning, I want you to think about this time of communion as a doorway to the Father. The disciples asked, show us the way to the Father. And what did Jesus answer? I am. I am the way. He said, show us the way to the Father. And he said, I am the way. So as you come up, I want you to just engage with this and, and open up your heart to say, Father, I'm, I'm coming to you through Jesus through his sacrifice. So Lord, we thank you um, for all that you want to do within our lives, that all that you want to call us toward as a community. And Father, we just, we want to welcome your heart and I speak that out, Lord, in your authority and in power that you are calling us home. You are calling sons and daughters home and you're calling us away from the brokenness of our orphan spirits, our orphan hearts grow and step into our identity as sons and daughters and to see the fruitfulness of that in our families in our relationships and in the things that matter most to us and to you we welcome that this morning guide us to step closer to you this morning father in jesus name amen